You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And breathe. After months of hype, the World Cup is underway and England have got off to a winning start, winning the opening game of the tournament by over 104 runs. Welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. We're recording today's episode in front of a packed live audience at the Beer 91 Cricket World Cup Lounge at the Royal Garden Hotel in Kensington. I'm Yaz Rana and today I'm joined by the editor-in-chief of the Wisdom Cricket Monthly Magazine, Phil Walker. Good evening, yes. And a genuine legend of Irish cricket and an ICC insider for this year's World Cup, Niall O'Brien. Welcome to the show, Niall. How are you? Cheers, buddy. I'm good. Yeah, it's great to be here. Huge crowd. Lovely. Yeah, absolutely huge. Uh, great to have you guys on. It has been a great start to the tournament. Um, England winning by 104 runs. Let's start at the beginning of the game. South Africa with a toss on the green top. Insert England in. Open the bowling with him running to here. And the Smith Johnny Bairstow with the second ball of the tournament. At this point, you're thinking typical England day, Phil. Uh, no, not really. Um, this, this, this notion that it was a green top, I didn't really get much of a sense of that. The sun was was already poking through by half past ten. Um, I think some of your innate English nerves have come to the fore there. Yes, I didn't really feel that it was a particularly tense opening gambit. Joe Root has that ability. You know, he just comes in. And he's 30 not out before he's even begun. So even though they lose a wicket in the first over, and you're thinking, oh, well, an England of old would have had to rebuild and so on. Well, Root just comes out and just, he strums the medium pacer through the covers for four and he's off and running. Then he, he pulls him and suddenly he's on, in at double figures. And then but it's, it's as you were, you know, it's 66 for naught off, off 10 overs. For, one. for yeah. one off 10 overs. And, and it was actually a surprise when they, they, they went bang, bang and suddenly they were 110 odd for three when it looked like... They were doing what we've come to be complacently sure that they're going to do, which is lay a foundation to go and get a monster score. As it was, and we'll come to it, no doubt, 
a lot of a lot of things went wrong for England, and they still ended up with three hundred and eleven. Yeah, which is I, quite I, telling, I think I you've think. Uh, skipped over uh, a, a brief period in the game that felt like an eternity for England fans. So when Bairstow is dismissed, England are one for one after two balls in the Home World Cup. That we've been hyping up for months. After that, there was a nervy one or two over spell where England didn't get off to their characteristic fast start, and I felt you could feel the tension in the in in the in the crowd. Uh, when when Root hit that first boundary through the covers, audibly you could hear the crowd go, like, "Oh, thank God, back to normality in a way." And um, yeah, but it was it was twenty odd not out off, off about fifteen balls, so I didn't really get that sense that the pressure was building in those early stages uh, with it with England in the way that undoubtedly it would have done before. I mean, Nyla, you were out there, you know, you were covering the game today, um, as as was I in the yeah. press box, and did you get that sense early doors? Not really, to be fair. Like Johnny got out first ball, that can happen. You know, you get you get a decent ball, and it was a good ball first up, and he gets he's out, and he's you're, you're out before you're in almost. There's not much you could do about that. But I agree with Phil that like Jason Roy just went about his business. He hit the ball well. He took his chances. He took the attack to the opposition, and and Joe Root does what Joe Root does. He just accumulates and puts the bad ball away. And you're right, absolutely. They, I thought they played superbly well that first power play, and it wasn't a green top. It was. Yesterday afternoon, it was a bit of a green top, and there was a bit of concern with the lads. They were questioning the grounds. Well, you better take some more grass off that, buddy. But it was a decent track. I don't think it was a. I don't think it was a. It wasn't a, a belter, was it? I don't think it was an amazing. Quite slow. Both captains. Yeah, slow there was quite the a lot of grass on us. A tufty grass, so the ball was sticking in a bit. But I thought England played really well. They should have got way more runs when Moggy was playing with um, Ben Stokes with so much freedom. Um, with them two at the crease, they would have been looking at three fifty, three sixty, and they probably. Could have got that if they had extended a little bit longer. In the end, they got over 310. Way too many for the South Africans. Isn't the way that both of you have kind of glossed over the fact that England lost a wicket so early on in this World Cup? Well, it was great. Isn't that amazing that they could react so calmly to what was objectively... That's that's what you're going to get with this England team. They're not going to panic. This is not the England of bygone eras. And I'm not as old as Phil, but he's seen a lot more (laughs) cricket back in the day. He's seen England England teams panicking a lot more in his in his career in journalism. But um, this team's not going to panic. You got you got an Irishman at the helm there. You got your grand Irishman as coach and Aussie as Irishman as captain and Aussie as coach. You'll be fine. This is it. You you answered it bang on there. In all seriousness, do you think though that um, more teams will open with spin? Because from my point of view, it seems like a. It, I, I thought it was a very no, smart move. There's no, there's no real risk of it because Roy and Bairstow go at seven and over anyway. So if your first over goes to twelve, what, what's that? Four runs more than it normally goes for. So you, so you might mm. as well have have a go with, with something different. I think it was great. Like I couldn't believe it. I was on the balcony. What is this? What this is absolutely. You win the toss with a bit of uh, with a tinge of green, not not a green top, a tinge. Surely you give the new ball to your two big quicks, uh, and then what do I know? <laughs> he got the wicket, but he probably bowled one over too many. He got I smashed. think that's fair. Yeah. His last over, he got whacked a bit. But uh, if in you know to back up Faf's uh, decision, um, Johnny had a wonderful IPL, but he was dismissed by leg spin a lot. Um, whether it was to get him out or get Roy out, or whatever, it did the job. And um, you know, it's good captaincy, good thinking outside the box. It's typical South Africa. They're always doing something. They always keep springing a surprise in a World Cup. Yeah, I mean, we've I've spoken to you about Faf's captaincy on this show before. You know, I think he's I think he's right up there, if not the the most impressive skipper. It was out very there. Brendan McCollum twenty fifteen, wasn't it? it? It was, yeah. And he's clearly done his homework on England's openers, as as Nyla says. You know, Johnny played brilliantly in the IPL, but did struggle a little bit against the, the ball turning away from him. But also, Jason Roy, if he does have a weakness, 
then it is against the wrist spinner. I'm thinking Samuel Badry in the final of the T20 a couple of years ago when he cleaned him up in the first over. Um, it made sense to me. And as soon as I saw it, the penny dropped. Although, you know, I wouldn't have had the imagination to have come up with it in the first place. But it seemed like a very smart move. I thought they picked the right team overall today, South Africa. Possibly they might have wanted that extra spinner instead of Pretorius, who's a bit up and down. But they brought Markram in as a proper batsman to, to face um, a certain Joffre Archer that we might mention we'll a get bit to later him. on in the show. So I can understand what they were trying to do, but they were blown away in the end. And it would have been quite demo- demoralising, I think, for South Africa this evening because England didn't play their best cricket overall. And South Africa has still been dumped here. They've been stuffed, really. On, you know, it's, it's a marquee game and they've lost by 100 and a few. Yeah. Their batting looks very light. South Africa's batting looks very thin. You know, if the, the guys up top don't get, you know, 100, which in fairness, the cock should have got 100 today. He was playing with ease. Um, you know, he had 25 plus overs to bat when he got out. Mm. He's eyeing up 150. I know you can't play, you know, too careful. And you got to, you can't say, listen, bat the innings because that's not the modern way. But just bat another 15 overs at, and tick along a run of ball for 15 and set yourself up. Even if, even if South Africa needed 100 off the last 12 with five wicks in hand, they could have done it at the oval. But they, for me, and speaking to Graham Smith after, they went too hard too soon and too many soft dismissals to cock, taking on that, like a massive boundary. One of the biggest boundaries in the country, that'll be. Taking it on, bit bit risky. Um, the captain himself, I think that was a bit of a silly shot because Joffre Archer was probably his last over. It was his fifth over, I think. He was probably going to have a spell. So he's surely just sitting there thinking, right, he's their main wicked threat. I'll sit him for an over. Even though if I play back a couple of singles or a maiden, it doesn't make a difference. In the grand scheme of things, he gets caught in the hook. Good bowling, good catch by Mo. And, um, you know, JP Dumini, you know, as a left-hander, I know, I, I know what he's trying to do as a left I've done it myself that many times. <laughs> <laughs> Hit it straight down the man you, and you come off. You're I, trying to go through extra cover, You're trying right? to go over extra yeah. cover and you get it thick on the in, inner half of the bat or whatever and it, go, it carries too long on. You think, oh, I should have just swung through it for six. But they're soft dismissals. They are soft dismissals. And unfortunately for South Africa, without the likes of David Miller in the past, who was prolific maybe in that middle order, who can come in and be you know, smashed out of the park. He can't. He's not doing that at the moment, David Miller. He's really in and out of form, up and down, probably the last 12 months or so. So they can't rely on him. So he's sitting on the bench. Seems strange, really, looking from the yeah, far. Yeah, seeing how, seeing how... David like, Miller, who was once you know, the million-dollar man for Kingsland Punjab, yeah. and the most talked-about name in South Africa, not getting in the side. So... Mm. You know, you look at um, Feklequeo and Pretorius, pretty similar cricketers. You know, both bowl in and around the same pace. Probably Pretorius not quite as fast. Pretorius maybe a little stronger with the bat, but... Uh, well, that's it. They're just trying to try and buttress that middle order, aren't they? Which, as you say, is very, very light indeed. They're, I think they're like both bowling and batting. That's why both of them are playing. They're kind of... Good team, then. But, well, I don't know. I, I think... But both both of them aren't really uh, a frontline bowling option nor a frontline batting option. I think um, Feklequeo. I hope I'm saying his name right there, but <laughs> that's uh, near enough, close yeah. enough. I think he's had a. Yeah, I think he's a good cricketer. He, um, he, you know, he is, he's someone who seems to kind of thrive on responsibility. He's good. He picks up wickets with the slower balls. Pretorius has had a good. You know, he's had a good twelve months or so. He's you know he, he can bat. He can give it a nudge with the bat, and you know his bowler you would think would be suitable to conditions over here. With the keeper up, yeah. They brought the keeper up, and then Stokes got the old reverse dab out. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you, Nyla, um, you mentioned Faf playing a pretty uncharacteristic shot, you know, a top edge against, against a short one from Jofra. Um, is this extreme pace that results in otherwise pretty solid and circumspect batsmen doing unusual things? And secondly, 
have you ever been put in that position where you're facing somebody who is borderline terrifying? <laughs> well, I've you know I've faced bowlers that are probably quicker than Joffrey Archer in my life, and you know that's not that's not doing them any disrespect. No, not seeing them off, got cleaned <laughs> up. So uh, you know I'm certainly watching Joffrey Archer bowl absolute thunderbolts. It's his action though; it's just so easy on the eye. Um, but it, does it do funny things? To, it does, to it does, it does, definitely does. And not necessarily maybe against Archer, it's probably the other end because you're thinking, I've got to get after some of the other guys, right? He's bowling Thunderbolts. But I, you know, it's like when you play in Afghanistan, they've got Rashid Khan. 10 overs, give him 40 runs, one wicket. You yeah. know, that's the way a team yeah. should really be taking Archer. One for 40 off 10, that's happy days. Yeah. We'll, we'll try and get our runs against some of the other bowlers, but England have a very good bowling attack, so it's difficult. Mm. On the speed gun, though, Archer is bowling very quickly, but he's not, he's not bowling. 90 plus most of the time so when he played an ODI uh, a couple of weeks ago when Wood was playing Wood on the speed right, Nottingham I think that was yeah Wood, Wood was bowling quicker yeah Wood's quick but so uh, my, my question to you is that as a batsman when you're facing quick bowling if you have somebody who is deceptively quicker they almost quicker than they look when Archer runs in you don't he doesn't have a run-up of somebody who should be bowling 90 miles per hour, nor, no. nor his action but it, it comes out 90 miles is that, is that harder than somebody who charges in and it comes out at a similar speed. Well, I think Joffre's action, it looks... I've never faced the lad, so, you know, I'm speaking a little bit from, you know, from watching from the sidelines, which is always, always an easy place to watch from. But he's got a nice action. It's not like someone like Sean Tate. I, yeah. The two fastest bowlers I've faced are the two most uncomfortable bowlers were Sean Tate and Shobakhtar because they just ran in like a headless chicken and just slung it down as fast as they could. And you didn't know if it was coming at your head or at your toes. Joffrey, you can see him run in. It looks like a nice language. It's not like hurrying Brett Lee. Same thing. Lovely action. You can see the ball. So their face were bad in the nets. Like, you know, Rabat is sharp. So he's yeah. one of the best in the world. Yeah. So you can, I'm not really buying into this. They shouldn't be getting hurried up. They shouldn't be getting rushed out. I think some mental mistakes. The, the cock dismissal and the Dumini dismissal were worse for me. Faf would say, I, I thought I was dead a hook and I got top eight, beaten pace. Mm. You can accept that. Yeah. And my biggest thing with the, the Faf dismissal was, it was probably his last over. Just mm. sitting on Even if you say to yourself mentally, right, I'm not taking, I'm just going to sit tight here for an over, get through the next, and then we'll have a little look, regroup and go again. It's funny that you, you mentioned uh, Tate and Schweb because uh, we had Freddie Wald on the podcast a few weeks ago for uh, yeah, Quickbiz, lad, yeah. and he said, he said, according to their database, Sean Tate and Schweb Acta are on a different level in terms of pace historically than basically anyone in the last 20 years. Yeah, well, I don't like, I'm not massive for these speed guns because you watch some games, especially county cricket, and someone's bowling and it comes up like 86 miles an hour, and you're thinking, there's no way, no way he's, he's chucking them down at 86 miles an hour. So I think speed guns are a little bit deceptive. I can tell you for a fact, Sean Tate was rapid. Like, he bowled me in uh, Barbados in 2007 World Cup. I was actually playing as well as I've probably ever played. And uh, just bowled a big full toss. Didn't see. That was when he was unbeatable, wasn't it? Yeah, he bowled, that was his world. Well, he bowled cup. the first. Well, Australia, Australia won the toss at Bridgetown, and uh, Ponting won the toss. Yeah, we're gonna have a bowl, and the whole the whole crowd started booing because they wanted to see Australia get right, yeah. Australia get three hundred, and Ireland kind of get one seventy nine for eight. And it was you know they've all had a good day out of the cricket. They bowled out for sixty nine and knocked it off after <laughs> about eight overs, and the game was over by about midday. People <laughs> were still coming. People were still coming into the stands, and the game was done and dusted. But Tate bowled the first ball that day and it flew past William Porterfields at a rate of knots. Gilchrist caught up over his head and him, Simons and Hayden just turned around to the big screen and said 96.6 miles an hour. And they just are laughing and they went back another five yards. And we lost two early wickets and I was in. And he just bowled. Tate was, he let this ball go. The next thing I was out. That was it, out. 
And I went into the sheds and Aidy Burrell was our coach. You, you know, Aidy, yeah. great man. He said, Nala, what happened? What happened? I, <laughs> I said, didn't see a coach. And he thought I was taking the, taking the mickey. And um, I said, no, I didn't see it. He left his hand and I was bold. Do you find that there's a... All right, without wanting to dwell on the, the, the whole MPH aspect of things, but do you find that there is a almost like a like a tipping point with quick bowlers? You know, that, that you can manage a bowler at, say, you know, in the, the 87, 88 bracket, but just another couple of ticks on and it's it's beyond your, your kind of your, your physical capabilities I've I've, I've nev- never played any kind of real standard of cricket but I've played first team cricket club cricket and I find that I find that there is a certain level where I can where I'm comfortable and a tiny tick up and it's I'm out so out of my comfort zone I can't react quick enough does that apply even at the top level no, I wouldn't say you can't react quick enough because most times you don't react anyway. It's just you see the ball and it's instinctive. And it's pure and muscle you, memory, you bump, right? Bump, you're, you're on the front foot of the driver. That's a, that's a bouncer. So, yeah. so not really, but I think once you go over that 145 kilometres or whatever you want to call it, 90 miles an hour, once you're ticking over that, it's pretty sharp, like, and uh, you just got you got to you have your wits about you. <laughs> Moving away from the World Cup, just for a, just for a second. Um, looking ahead, we've got the Ashes. Small matter of the Ashes. Do we? The series. Yeah, late yeah, in the summer, we've got okay. the Ashes. Five, five Test matches. Well, well, well he's, he's a stick on, obviously. Yeah, he's an absolute stick on. So, I was thinking. I think you're forgetting a Test match before the Ashes. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, no, there's that on. as well. There's that as well. Absolute disgrace. So for that Ireland <laughs> Test match at Lords, <laughs> at that for that Ireland Test match at Lords. Um, if you if you go through the, the the England team, you've got your top seven with Bairstow, Butler, Stokes. Yep. F- uh, it's five, six, seven. Moina eight. You then have three bowlers: Anderson, Broad, plus one, and that's plus one is. You don't one have to have Anderson and Broad. You well, could that, have, that's a you question. You could have Archer. Anderson and Wokes, for example. Well, indeed. Sam, Sam Curran played, played the series Sam last summer. Sam Curran, for example. So. I, I, don't, I don't think, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I don't think Stuart Broad's position is absolutely sacrosanct in this England test side anymore. And I think that's the nature of the beast. When you get a phenomenon like Joffre Archer coming along, then suddenly he's, he's front and centre of their plans and has to be, really. He has Mark to Wood be. was uh, player of the match in the last test match that England played as well. Yep. That's, that's going to be a if serious... Joff, if Joffre's fit for that test match against Ireland, he should play. You know, and that's a... Great audition for him because, it, albeit it's a four-day test and all, there will be a lot of hysteria and hype around it f- for the sentimental value. But mm. it's a good chance for him to slip a, slip a game under the radar before the ashes kicks off when there will be a lot of more hype about it. If he goes and wins the World Cup with England and takes twenty weeks in the World Cup, he's not going to care about an Aussie journalist giving him a bit of stick on yeah. the eve of the ashes. No, indeed. The thing that struck me today watching him live, and I wasn't actually at the Oval for his his kind of effective debut, certainly in England. Uh, from a few weeks ago. The thing that struck me is how consistent he is in his action. That he, nothing, nothing gets lost in that action. He never sprays it down the leg side. He never, never stumbles through his delivery stride. It is a completely natural piece of work. Uh, and with that comes a kind of an innate, inbuilt belief that you're going to get it done. And that combination of incredible physical gifts uh, with... With the the mindset and the, and the, yeah, as I say, this kind of inbuilt belief is a is a potent combination. I interviewed him last week, just briefly. Sorry, I interviewed him last week and I asked him what what he was working on. You know, funky new deliveries and new strategies. As, and you ask cricketers this, and they always go through the motions. Yeah, I've got a new slower ball out the back of the hand, whatever. And he just said nothing, nothing. I said, what, nothing at all? He said, no. Everything I've been doing, I've been doing it all my life. Hit the top of off with the new ball and bowl more Yorkers and slowies at the end. And it was all, it kind of caught me on the hop because 
cricketers are kind of trained to say certain things in response to certain answers, but or questions. But he is completely unbridled. It's part complete of his natural. Charm. And I asked Morgan afterwards. He says, "I've never known anybody like it. He's a complete natural." So I, I was really uh, upset. Not upset. I was uh, slightly disappointed a couple of weeks ago. Oh, get um, over it. When when Joffrey Archer. His, his Twitter handles became verified and he changed his username because Joffrey Archer was one of the few cricketers who you could tell he had complete ownership of his Twitter account. And so it does was, this mean uh, that it's now being sanitised? I, I don't know. I don't know. May, may, maybe managed. it will be. You know, he's, he's part of the England World Cup squad. That Do you manage any Twitter accounts, Nyla? In your, in your lines, various uh, lines yeah, of Yeah, I've had a few, few lads. Can you get me verified and all that? Right. I said it's cooler now not to be verified. Exactly, so. mate. That's what, exactly. I'm not down with the kids. Um, I'd, I'd quite like to ask you guys about another one of England's pace bowlers today. Um, it, it's almost like a given that Wokes and Archer are England, in England's first 11. Um, and the third seamer is, is one of Plunkett, Curran and Wood. Today, England went for Plunkett. And although England did win by 104 runs, it wasn't easy going the whole way. When de Kock was in with Van der Dusen, South Africa were, were looking good. Uh, England would have been nervous. And it was it was Liam Plunkett who, yet again, made a couple of uh, mid-innings breakthroughs. He, he keeps on doing it. Yeah, well, Nilo, you know, you can take this one up and you'd have faced him and probably played with him here and there. But um, they brought up a stat and it's pretty well known, but it still bears ma- making, again, more wickets than any other bowler in the middle overs between 11 and 40 since so, the 2015 so, World so Cup. I, so I have got uh, a bugbear with that stat. He must be the only bowler a pace bowler in world cricket who only bowls in the middle overs. So he's got an advantage. I'm not, I'm not saying that makes him... Uh, he's not good at what he does. He's obviously very good at the job, but he's always got an advantage there. But also, if you had a compilation, I mentioned this to you earlier, if you have a compilation of all his wickets in the middle overs, you know, yeah, slower ball bouncers, they get caught at fine leg, um, caught... He gets so many wickets caught yeah, at sweeper. That's, so w- w- that's, w- credit, w- that's credit to him because he was a tearaway. He was a 90-mile-an-hour bowler himself, you know, going back so what do you think he's time. So what do you think that he's doing that makes him so successful in the middle overs? Because he's undoubtedly... Well, he's tall for a start. He's tall, yeah. strong, he's got a very good slow ball, so he's banging the ball in. And it's clever because he's bowling to... A lot of time when he's bowling, getting that boys caught on the boundary, he's bowling to a long boundary. Yeah. So he's saying, hit it, take me on my slow, ba- slow ball bouncer, which is very well disguised for a start, and hit me 85 metres over my man the boundary. So... Yeah, listen. I think it's he's got good skill set. He was a tearaway. He was a he was not far of ninety mile hour himself. Um, lived life in the fast lane, and um, you know <laughs> went up to went up to Yorkshire, kind of re found himself really. And he's a champion bloke. So Diz, Dizzy got hold of him at Yorkshire. Yeah, Dizzy got hold of him, sorted him out. But he's a great bloke. Budsy's a, he's he's yeah. an absolute champion. And him and Moggy are very him and Owen are very good friends. So you know I think um, Mark Wood called him the Godfather. Yeah, it thing. was tough. It was tough on Tom Curran actually because. Tom's had a wonderful start to his career and a very likable chap, but uh, I think Owen was always kind of going to lean towards Pudsey for, for the start. I think, I think you have to play Plunkett just because with Wokes and Archer nailed on as, as, as your opening bowlers, the role therefore is quite specific as a third seamer. Is that the middle overs is, is the bit that Plunkett has become so good at. Curran could open the ball and be fair. You could, you could yeah. play Curran. O- over, over Wokes or Archer? No, not over. I think... I think what you'll see with this England team, they will rotate a few t- players in this tournament. I think they're going to be very, very, get a few wins early and without disrespecting some of the teams. You know, I don't think it's a disservice if you say, well, see, listen, sit out a game, have a game off, chill for a day. TC, 
in you come, do a job. He won't let you down. He averages 30 with, with the ball or 40 with the bat, Tom Curran. So you know what you're getting. Yeah. It's an embarrassment of riches, obviously, with this England side. Is there anything that you saw today that in the age of perfectionism they might be questioning or, or concerned about? No, I think like the coach will, will give a lot of the responsibility to Owen and Owen's like, led this team for a number of years now. So it, it would be... Moggy will say, listen, I should have got 100 there. And, and Rudy will say the same, yeah. And they'll all say that. And that's the beauty of it. And I guarantee you, next game, one of them will get 100. Like, an England player will get 100 next match. And then what's going to happen is the next game, whoever misses out the next game, they think, oh, Joe Root got 100. I want to get 100. It just feeds that kind of like um, spirit between and that kind of competitive edge. So I think if if they're being ruthless, and they will be, they'll, they'll have a beer tonight and say, well played. They'll say, listen, we probably should have got 350 there, 360. But that was, as, as you had quite a good tweet actually where oh, you, thanks, did yeah. you, you did you did must wait, have missed that one week it summed it up quite well that it's remarkable that England lost a wicket in the first over lost two and two within the first 20 overs Butler got nothing and they still got 310 and it felt like a disappointment it's ridiculous this team is um I, I, so, I, I so thought, good I, the I thought it, so was, deep. it was in the end a really good test for England yeah. today um they could have gone out there you know, smashed it around and strolled home and we wouldn't have learned anything. We'd have just gone home ever more convinced that this is that this is England's time. As it was, they did have to scrap a little bit. They did have to uh, have to show a bit of smarts, you know, in the, in the middle overs because they, they had set themselves back a little bit with those two quick wickets, to, you know, two and three. Um, Stokes, yeah, Stokes had to themselves. hold himself together. They lost two quick wickets and then Morgan charged down and smashed as well. Well, this is it. And, and it was interesting because I was listening to... Uh, Atherton on commentary at the time and and he said it'll be an interesting test this for England you know t- to see if they are as good as their word and a test of their resolve are they going to continue playing enterprising daring cricket and literally 30 seconds later Morgan played that they will. phenomenal shot they will. That's what when he ran do. down the pitch and, and spanked it over extra cover that's on the what arc. they're going to do I spoke to Ian Bishop at Southampton last week I said this is what they're going to do they're not going to revert to type they are going to just go 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 and Ian Bishop well that's dangerous I said this is the way they're going this is what they're going to do they'd rather get 220 bowled out trying to get 350 than eke 240 and limp and lose by you know lose the other team knock it off they'd rather try and get 350 get bowled over 220 and say right we've got to defend that at the, in- at the end of the innings though I thought they were very smart so towards the end of the innings you, there's a point where you thought oh, England get 340 here if you get 10 and over but actually past, past this, this very England team in months years gone by I think would have tried to get 340, but I think they realised... I think they did try, but the, I actually give credit to South Africa. I think South Africa yeah. were excellent last 10. I but but, but, but Wolves and Co. didn't give away their wickets. That was, that was key. They batted out the 50 overs. There's a point where they, they might not have. Well, Wolves got caught long on, so I think you know. I think they were I think they were trying to get that 340, but um, I actually think South Africa were excellent last 10. I, I did too, and it was a brilliant game of cricket from that respect. You know, I'm, I'm so bored by this notion that we just live in the age of the bat and that's it, and... Stick two bowling machines, one at each end, and let's all go home. What a load of nonsense that argument is. It ignores the obvious fact that as scores go up, a good captain and a top-quality bowler or two, that's the differential in these games when you play on flat tracks with 60-yard boundaries. This is what you saw with Duplessis, who I thought engineered them brilliantly. England hit six fours in the last 14 overs of the innings, which is probably their lowest ratio in four years, you'd have thought. And yet they ended up getting up to 300. I do agree with you overall. I think they did show a degree of smarts, you know, and Stokes only really let himself go for the last over or two before he got himself out. He played a sensible knock there. 
Um, but in amongst all of that, they still get themselves up to 3.11, you know, and, and that, was a, that was a five or six out of ten batting performance for what, for what they'd be expecting. So that is, that is concerning for the rest, that they would have watched that. And then they'd have seen them also bowl and field very well. I thought England were brilliant well, in the field. On the, fi- on the fielding, that Ben Stokes catch is, is, is one yeah, of the that best was sensational. sensational. I was actually walking around the, around the back of the stands. I didn't see it live. I, was, but people, I didn't People either. were dropping right. their beers. They were, they were dropping their beers. Like, they were, it was absolutely incredible. But it was a, 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 an immediate standing ovation around the whole ground. The only po- moment of the game when the whole crowd got up stunned by what they'd seen. Can, can can we can we rate that catch, Nyla? Can you can best you? catch of the World Cup? Done. <laughs> I tell you what, it will take some beating. Genuinely, well, well, Nasser is saying on commentary said it's one of the best catches of all time. And well, it's, stun- it's, it's stunning. It's stunning. It's, but yeah. Just to finish on the England batting slash South Africa bowling, Ngidi three three for sixty odd. Like that's in this day and age, that's proper bowling. That yeah. Okay, you're going to six and over. Six and over nowadays is the old five and over. So I think for him to pick up three was massive for South Africa. Um, Rabada will do well for them. Imi to here. It's just how they prize out for South African bowling. How did they get early wickets if Rabada doesn't pick them up, or else wickets in the middle? So it's going to be a, a tough thing for South Africa because their batting doesn't look like they're going to be able to chase a 300 plus score. If they're batting first, what do they need to defend with that bowling attack? Uh, other takeaways from the day the Zing Bales are too heavy. Did you yeah, see that one? Did you see that? Crazy. Is that the first time? Into oh, is it Ed Joyce? Ed Joyce in Brisbane 2015 against I swear the that UAE. Smashed, that smashed. <laughs> no, but Joyce's went boop. Yeah. And then that, back down that, again. That smashed the stumps. And that was a pace Hit it hard. Hit it hard today. That was that shouldn't happen. You know, I love the zinc bales mm. and all the stumps and what it brings for the fan and everything. And it's brilliant for too heavy, mate. They're too heavy. Well, they are obviously there is something because that ball cannoned into off stump. Yeah. Um, dreadful shot actually by it was, wasn't it? awful, yeah. awful choice of stroke, and mind you. But uh, that should have been out. Just one other thing on the on the overall day. Um, yeah, the Oval's the greatest cricket ground in the world, uh, without question. What about Chelmsford? What about Chelmsford? Uh, of course, the the, the fortress. <laughs> that, that goes without saying. Um, it felt like a real event today, didn't it? And it wasn't just because it's day one. They were all in. All the royalty, literally royalty, yeah. was in. I, I, our, I our embattled PM, she was in there. Who incidentally has booked her her. Uh, her, um, her resignation for the day before the semi-final, which is probably the most decisive <laughs> moment of her actual premiership. I thought she was joining me here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they were all in, you know. Obviously, Mr. O'Brien was, was, was a part of the, the glitterati, but, you know, Warney was in. and Sachin, Sachin was there. Sachin was in with his kind of cohort of minders and flunkies <laughs> hanging around and guarding his every move. Entourage. Yeah, all right, entourage, that'll do. Um Saywag was it was in the house, you know. Harbajan, Ganguly even made an appearance. But even felt like a real show uh, today. Aside from all the show, I thought the crowd were really were more into it than than the average England crowd international. It it was probably the best day of cricket I've been at since Cook getting us hundred at the same ground actually last year. That was unbelievable. This is it, the people's ground, the Ah, the Kennington Coliseum. I I love playing at the Oval. It was such a lovely place to play. Even a, even playing county cricket at the Oval was class. There was always a crowd in. You got a good wicket. You got a good lunch. And a great dressing room attendant and Daryl who looked after you. Oh, and, yeah, and, yeah. And I'll tell you what, well, the teams I played in county cricket, we normally got hammered by Surrey. So you normally got a day off. You have a night out in London. <laughs> um, quick question for you, Phil. So uh, I've heard you describe the Oval as the people's ground many times. If you Google it, literally nothing comes up. So why, uh, I why, why, why I do you call it? I didn't actually crown this. I think it was Adam Collins who crowned it, actually. 
the, the people's ground. Okay. Um, and you've unfortunately heard me say everything at least half a dozen times. This is the, yeah. the problem of sitting next to one another doing these podcasts. <laughs> but, you know, the nature of the ground, it's right in the heart of London. You know, it's surrounded by various sort of South London council estates and it's absolutely glorious. It's a the great oval, The Oval it's is... It's a great ground. The Oval is a... Mu- the Lords is a museum. Lords is, is Paul McCartney's back garden. You know, y- you walk in with due deference when you go to Lords, but when you go to the Oval, you feel like you're, this is cricket more in the raw, you know. This I tell you what's a good, good ground, stadium, ground, um, the Hampshire Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, we were down there whatever, last week. Whatever one I'd call it. I'm not sure what I'd call very it on, weird. on the podcast, but I think it's a great ground. So do I. A beautiful place and, and, a, and a flat one as well now, you know. I mean, it was a bad track initially when they first... Dimmy Mascarenas was impossible to play. I can <laughs> well imagine. Nibbling yeah. at 66 miles out with, with <laughs> Nick Pothis sledging you up to some, and Shane Warren just kind of licking his lips, looking at his prey coming. Oh, lovely. There's, there's an easy few wickets for me. <laughs> um, I can well picture that. Qu- question for you, Noel. So, as, as somebody who's supposed to be objective, I, I was genuinely quite nervous at the start of the game when, when particularly yeah. Bairstow was out as an England fan. I was nervous. I was like, all these, all, all these months and four years. I was, yeah. All, the, all these years of panning, going out the window straight away after two balls. Um, you, no, you played one of the most important innings in the history of Irish cricket at a World Cup. You scored, in 2007, you scored 72, when no one else in your team passed 16. Kev got 16, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 He faced about 50 balls. <laughs> What was he doing? W- what was he? Then four <laughs> years later, he faced the same and the board's got 100. <laughs> but were you aware at the time of the enormity of what a World Cup win over a major nation uh, would achieve for your country? Not really, mate, because we were just on a, basically a, a paid holiday. So like, <laughs> I was one of, there was only three pros in the team out of 15. Everyone, we had like Boyd Rankin, who was a farmer. Um, Kenny Carroll was a postman. Trent Johnson, the captain, was a fabric salesman. Like, what, what was Mooney when he was at home? John Boy was he was an electrician. Right, he was yeah. a spark. Was don't, he? Mess, okay. don't mess with Mooney the Sparky. No, I tell you, um, <laughs> you're, you're beating like one, one of the, the major countries in in world. Yeah, Caribbean. but we weren't we weren't surprised. We we backed ourselves a bit. No, no, that's not being you know, big header. And we we knew we had a very good team. And we had a re- one of those whether you read much into preparation. We had a great preparation in Trinidad. Um, we played well and. We nearly beat South Africa in a warm-up game. Apart from they, they, it was one of those games where you play 15 players and Andrew Hall batted number nine or ten and got 80 odd and out. So we like actually, you know, we got a quite good team. Um, actually, funny enough, Morgan was our big hope for that tournament. Didn't uh, get a run, did he? Didn't get a bean. Yeah. Didn't get a bean. The poor lad, to be fair to him, but he, he had his he's, eye gone, on other he's gone on to bigger and better things. To say, <laughs> to say, he's done all right since. No, listen. So we. Um, we we obviously tied against Zimbabwe and we were all so nervous against Zimbabwe two days previous at Sabina Park. Like we got two hundred and thirteen. Jeremy Bray got a hundred. Wonderful century. But we are saved. Ian Gould saved us. Jeremy Bray was plum LB. Like you'll never seen a plumber LB. Gary Bre- no, not Gary Brent, he's a fella from the office. Uh Brent. No, no, yeah, Brent, Gary, yeah. Was Gary, Gary Brent? Brent. I played with Gary Brent back in Essex. So Gary know. Brent bowled one, pitched on middle, hit him on the shin, hit in middle. And uh, Ian Gould, the legend, not out. And uh, Brazier got a hundred. And then you know we we defended or we got a tie, but uh, we were very nervous. And then the next two days later, we're like, right, come on, open up the curtains in the hotel in Jamaica in the Pegasus Hotel, spitting like spitting rain, dark clouds. Oh, like, a bit of Dublin drizzle. Yeah, just, and Paddy's Day. Yeah, it was like literally you're a man being back in my mum and dad's house, going, oh, lovely. 
And uh, we got to the ground and they pulled the covers off. I was, and that was a green top. <laughs> You're talking about green. This was like lime green. And we said to Skip, no pressure, TJ, but he, <laughs> you better win the toss. And we did. And we, yeah, it was one of those. It was classic. But even though you guys bowled Pakistan out for 130-odd, but, but as, as I said earlier, other than your innings, you guys didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. get many runs other than yeah, you. and we gave him 34 extras. You know, Boyd kept Boyd bowled so well, but he just kept bowling wide. So it was like, Boyd, he just bowled on the stumps. But... Uh, <laughs> And I, to be fair, I was in horrible form, the worst form of my life. So I came, we had a one day, we only got one day status maybe two months before we were in Kenya. So I walked out of the bat with an ODI average of about four on the big screen, six games, highest score, eight or something like that. <laughs> so it's not really, not much to write home about. But And the day before the game, I didn't even practice my uh, batting. I said to the AD Burrell, the coach, he said, nah, you want to have a net? I said, no point, mate, I'm batting that bad. I said, I do my keep and do my nicks. And then we were off a rain I went in, had some throwdowns in the car park. Not really when you think about it. So I went in the in the back in the compound, had a few throwdowns. Everyone's like, well, "Who's this lad? Who's this lad having a net here?" Why why in the car park? Because I wanted to just hit some balls before going out the bat. And then to be fair, I hit one out of the middle early, and it was like, "Oh, that's all right. I like this." And there was a good crowd in Paddy's day, and that was kind of it was weird because it, as I said, it catapulted Irish cricket, but actually, it did my career unbelievable good because I'd left Northamptonshire I left Kent and uh, I'd signed for Northampton in the winter and um, you know from there yeah, I suppose it went from strength to strength and got 60 odd against England actually later and there was chat during the World Cup would I be interested in playing for England because they had no real keeper really? Ni- yeah Paul Nixon was keeping wicket I said too right the England boys get paid absolute yeah. fortune <laughs> and um, so I'd gone to North Hans and unfortunately I had a really really poor start to my North Hans career and I was playing a few games I got left out I dropped Alistair Cook he got about 180 and then I dropped Chris Cothing he got about 160 so I was back in the dinks at North Hans and <laughs> I think I might be wrong but I think Matt Pryor kind of came through around the 2007 and that was I suppose the beginning and the end but um yeah, that was a fun day for me, and it was a day I look back, and it's still one of my me, me favourite days. That kind of propelled Irish cricket into the mainstream, because you, you guys weren't at the 2003 World Cup. You weren't, I don't think you were at the 99 World Cup either. We weren't. Yeah, so... Should have been at, should have been at 2003, to be fair. Um, 2001, there was a qualifying tournament in Canada, and Ken Rutherford was the coach, ex-Kiwi, and he just picked, basically, a team of has-beens, and um, anyone who was at that tournament in Ireland will accept. They just picked... Guys who who had played county cricket but were all injured, they weren't good enough, they weren't fit. When they had young, hungry guys like myself waiting to get a chance, and they went with the old guard and they turned up. Three of them went down injured, ended up being a fight between two of the batsmen over something or other. And then in the end, like a journalist, um, uh, James, I can't remember his name now, but uh, he's a journalist in Ireland. He ended up subfielding for Ireland, so it was oh, a bit well. of a, it was a shamble. James Fitzgerald, his name is. You would have come across Fitzy and say yeah, right, he yeah. was a media manager for a long time, but uh, it was a bit of a shamble. So we didn't make the 2003 World Cup, which is you know a real shame because I remember watching it and I was you know kind of coming through the pro ranks again, thinking you know I'm, I'm, I would have been ready to go then. But from an outsider's point of view, the 2007 win over Pakistan kind of propelled Irish cricket into the mainstream. Yeah. People thought this was, well, Irish cricket, people took it seriously. And from, again, probably different from an Irish perspective, but from an outside perspective, that kick-started what, the eventual journey to 100%. being a test nation. Look at the team now. Paul Sterling and um, George Dockle, two examples. They were sitting, watching that game of cricket and they got inspired by cricket. So like that has definitely helped the, the next generation as did you know Kevin's 100 against England and that I, I felt when I, was, when I was waiting for you lads outside the Oval today 
I could feel a sense of people leaving the ground inspired today, like yeah. dads and kids going, and the kids talking about that Ben Stokes catch. Yeah. I'm like, it's unbelievable. This, well, that, that this could be a it, massive moment in cricket. Bang on, that catch will be on the BBC's website today. That will be uh, pushed hard over the next 48 hours. And that's the kind of thing, it doesn't matter what your preconceptions of cricket may or may not have been. If you see that and you have any interest in athletic sports, then that will blow you away. And, and this, is what, this is what the game has now. This is what is in its palm. Uh, can, can it utilise it? I think it, I think it will. I think, I think it will be limited up to a point. It's not going to become football. But this is what's at stake now. And stuff as we saw today, one or two moments, if you see Joffre Archibald, even, to be honest, even if you see him clang Amla, I mean, it was a video nasty. But people say sometimes, oh, well, cricket's just a kind of poncy little middle class game, you know. You know, crest sandwiches and a, and a, and a, and a you know, and a, and, a, and a shandy. Well, if you see that, 93 mile an hour right in the grill... And then you see Stokes a couple of hours later. That is the kind of thing that will resonate with people. So you you've spoken uh, quite well on the podcast before about your conversations. You're with Jason full of Holder. compliments tonight. <laughs> yes, he must be after something, is he? <laughs> <laughs> you you you've spoken about the conversation you have with Jason Holder, where he said that cricket in the West Indies now is actually as big as it's ever been in terms of player participation. So my question, do you know in Ireland how has the success the success of the Irish team on the field? influence the wider public's appreciation for the game appreciation of the game yeah 100% Irish cricketers now are well known they're well supported um, both from a contractual point of view and sponsorship they're known around the streets you know people will stop and talk to you about cricket and um, participation numbers are higher than they've ever been my big fear and it, it is a fear is I think the Ireland team is I think the, the best Ireland team of all time has been and how do they get back to that kind of team of that around 2007 to 2011? It was a golden era. Now, whether that was a once-in-a-lifetime, you've got to remember the Celtic Tiger was in then. So people were coming from Australia, New Zealand, South Africa for work, you know, or playing cricket. And all of a sudden, they were living in Ireland, enjoying it, and they were very good cricketers. Trent Johnson, David Langford-Smith, Andre Botha, Alex Cusack. They're four players that, you know, fantastic cricketers. Youngsters now in Ireland are excellent um, so coming through the first class system it needs to improve I played over two years when I finished at Leicester I was working full time not practicing and I was still getting runs now I was playing experience but that shouldn't really be the case in professional cricket so my big concern is getting that first class structure up so when the lads are picked to play for Ireland against England a couple of weeks ago they're not overawed by the occasion there is talent coming through I've seen it and I think they're getting there with the Irish team. Graham Ford has realised that they're giving young guys a chance. Joss Little against England, four yeah. for forty-five. You, he's he's a young, inexperienced kid. Next game he gets panned all over Clontarf. You got to accept that. So it's a it's a it's a juggling act really. You got the young lads who are giving the chance to explore. They're not going to come in and do a Joffrey Archer and be good every game. So the senior players need to step up as well. But um, there is talent come through. I've seen it from from what you said. I, I'm I kind of. I'm going to guess what, what your answer to this question is going to be. But what was, go, going back to 2007, even 2011 actually, when you're an associate country, is there extra pressure on you over, than, over other teams? Because you know that as a, as a then associate country, you know that this was the stage where you had to perform to integrate Less change. pressure. Really? Less, less. I reckon there's more pressure on Ireland now because the, the public expects, the public wants. Um, 
in 2007, as I said, there was three three professionals out of 15. I'm not joking when it was like, it was a holiday for the lads. Two months off work in the Caribbean, paid holiday, business class flights. Lads have never been on a business class flight in their life. <laughs> Free champagne, unbelievable. So, so let's celebrate how far we've come. So it was one of those, all right, we, and when we beat Pakistan, we were through, and it was the first thing the lads had to do, they'd ring the boss, I need four more weeks off work. That's not an exaggeration. Like, so there was no pressure, and I went to India in the World Cup, the lads were just loving life. Playing cricket in India, everyone loving you, everyone talking to you about cricket, no pressure. Now the lads, there is pressure, because everyone expects Ireland to be performing at that level, and you know that's not easy to do. We The, the 2015 World Cup, I thought, Probably Ireland played as well as ever played. Chasing 323 against West Indies in um, Nelson was a remarkable achievement on an absolute road. Lovely wicket, but against a good side and doing it easy. So I think for Ireland, T20 cricket now is where they need to like switch their focus because at the moment they're ranked 17th in the world and um, behind some sides that Ireland shouldn't be behind and not di- not disrespecting the likes of Hong Kong and, and these kind of sides, but Ireland are below UAE so that's the kind of area for focus now but, but at the same time though I feel that Ireland are a much better ODI set side than they are T20I so for example they, they really pushed England in that one-off ODI equally they drew two all against Afghanistan a really good side that actually very few people think they will actually finish bottom in the 10-team World Cup and they drew two all against them in in, in India in, yeah and in they drew one all against Afghanistan just last week yeah in Ireland exactly so, so, w- oh, yeah. so w- w- what do you think success would look like in five years' time from the Irish team as we are now? Well, in five years' time, listen, need a test match win for a start. Um, got flogged against Afghanistan and Derudun. So we need to get some test matches against Zimbabwe, Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka. They're going to West, going to West Indies, Sri Lanka, Zimbabwe and Afghanistan from January on. There's a good opportunity to get a test match win. Um, you know, test match, test match wins for a new country are few and far between. Sri Lanka had to wait a long time, Bangladesh wait a long time, etc., etc. So if Ireland get that kind of monkey off the back early doors, fantastic. They need to get up the T20 rankings. They've got the qualifiers in October in Dubai and in the UAE to try and qualify for the qualifiers in Australia, if that makes sense. They're real outsiders, and that is a worry for Forty and, and um, Gary Wilson, the captain of the T20 side. Um, I think they're outsiders to get to qualify for that tournament in Australia, but I think they can. They've got the slam starting in August, the Euro Slam, which is absolutely Which Morgan signed Incredible up for. Incredible names. Babbles on, be, Brendan McCollum, Shane Watson. come out of retirement for this one, Nyla? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think... T20, my stats are terrible. Can barely get off the oh, square. Oh, you're a big match player. That's an incredible tournament. I remember seeing the press release for it. I was like, eh, that, that tournament will do all right. But this then is seeing the names it, of people coming through, there, there must be like extraordinary investment behind this tournament. You pay the money, they will come. Whatever, whatever that famous quote from the movie is, if you build it, it will come. <laughs> Moggy's, Moggy's going to play. Um, Brendan McCullum, Luke Ronke, you know. It's great. Okay. arms there. Babra's arms there. But the big oh. thing for that tournament... <laughs> 18 Irish players are getting contracts and Scottish and Dutch players actually for that matter. So they're all getting contracts from varying levels but we spoke about Josh Little. He might have the chance to play with uh, Mohamed Amir for example. Like that's, you can't buy that. Well he can probably for about $200,000 but, <laughs> but that's massive learning for the young kid and the coaching for Ireland. The coaches, Ireland, Scotland and Holland are all going to get a certain amount of coaches placed from a assistant slash bowling slash batting and so that is going to improve Think back to the World Cup 2009 here, T20. 
you know, we got we got through to the Super 8s or whatever it was. Or, yeah, I think it was Super 8s back then. And we should have beaten Sri Lanka at Lourdes. Mm. Myself and Porterfield were going well. Then I ran past um, Agenda Mendes. I don't know what I was doing come down the wicket because I didn't know which way the ball was turning. <laughs> was, that was the old press G for gamble button. But... Yeah. Uh, so we should have <laughs> we should have beaten someone in the crowd like that. So we've got we've got a good crowd in now. They're I know, in. No, they're in. Die the crowd. Die the crowd. They're in. <laughs> that was fifty quid well spent. No. So um, yeah, T Twenty are need to improve, and the slam will help that. Um, the county championship is is still going Me. on. It's still going Talking on. Talking of as, which, as Tim Mercer, proper cricket, proper what? cricket. Tim Mercer will be playing. The, in the, the Lambeth Laura. Six Timmy, for 50 Timmy today. Omer to Timmy Omer to born and bred in Dublin. Don't forget Timmy it. O. <laughs> Timmy O. Yeah. Um, as, Six as, for fifty today. As impressive as that was, um, it's got, it's got to be the standout performance. Got to be the uh, the spin fester Edge Baston. Uh, Gareth Batter took eight for sixty four. Legend. Well, and you're thinking, Legend. great. You know, uh, England calling back up as soon as possible. <laughs> and then that the same day, Gene Mattel takes eight for thirty odd. Yeah, great, great to see. And also, Warwickshire needed that win. I mean, yeah. they've, they've stunk the place out up to now, so they yeah. really did need that result. Um, Essex won as well, didn't they? Yeah. I believe Simon Yarm, Cookie, Simon Cookie, Cookie just missed out on two tons. Yeah, Nine, he got a ninety-second dig. The chef, yeah. what a great man! The, probably the nicest man on the county circuit. Is that right? Everybody says that. He there always, must be a skeleton no, in that al- bloke's cupboard. No, he always said, he always addresses you by your first name. I couldn't believe it when he was like the England legend, the England captain. Right. I always see him in the nets. I'm like, oh, Cookie lad, oh, chef. He's like, morning, Nile. I'm like, oh, oh, oh that <laughs> yeah, was classy. He's a classy individual. Um, elsewhere again we're talking about how the, the foxes early. do foxes needed about 60 to win with 8 wickets in hand today how did they go let's have a look hold on I that might that might pass they lost against against yeah. um, Tony by. Palladino the Italian stallion doing yeah. his thing the ageless Tony Be- P best Italian cricketer since Ted Dexter um, Gary Balance has scored his 400 of the county championship series season after, after only 7 innings so is it four this year and then one last year? Because no, I read no, that he no. made five in the last five championship games. So it's four this season. Yeah, and one yeah. in September last year. Yeah, and and so he averages eighty nine, and he's well, not got, and he's an not got a one, not out. It? It how, how many runs has he got to score where it becomes like? Mm. I asked Gailey, I asked the coach that yeah. up at Edgebaston a few weeks ago. What did he say? He said he's he's not going to get back in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here first, right? Thank you, Nyla. He's got great, great news at Yorkshire. Fairness, Gary's had a lot of chances. Come on, like you know, he's had a lot of chances. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've had a lot of players, a lot of chances. So I think uh, Jason Roy. I think Jason Roy, if he can have a good World Cup, I spoke to Sagi Carr about it today. I said, and we were talking live, whatever, to billions of people on Facebook, and we got away from the ODI format. I said to him, "Listen, talk about Test match cricket. Yeah. Can Jason Roy play?" And he said, "Yeah." So Sankar is backing him. He has a yep. good World Cup. He's Jason Rowe's got the mentality to play international cricket, and that when you're stepping up, it's not necessarily about whether you I've, play cover drive. It's mindset, and Jason Rowe's got that. It's not Hang just on. mindset. It's just like however many runs you've got in county cricket, that's not an indication of whether you you're capable against Pat Cummins and Mitchell Stark bowling at 93 miles per hour. Jason Roy, we know yeah. that Jason Roy, some of the shots he played today, in, in, he didn't get he didn't get 100, but in his innings today, you could see this guy has got so much talent. If you're thinking. Who's got the most raw talent in the country? Jason well, Roy's right ask, up there. Ask a fan there today who they'd rather see walking out batting in the ashes. You know, Jason Roy or Gary Balance. And, Listen, and Gary Balance is like a million times better than I've ever been. I'm not, I'm not slagging him up. I'm just saying Jason Roy <laughs> is a top-class player. And it's, he's, got that dog, he's got that ability just to, you know, he's got the bravado. Get the Aussies. Jason yeah. Roy, he shouldn't be playing test cricket. And then all of a sudden he just smashed it for 100 off 100 balls. And also, if 
James Vince, who they have encouraged oh. to go and open the batting at Hampshire, and he's demurred on that. He's agreed to that. If Vince and then Roy follow with Root at four, I mean, that is X-rated stuff, isn't it? <laughs> that is real top-shelf stuff. It's it's terrifyingly yeah. sexy. No, I think I think if if, if, uh, if almost full hardy if, if, as if well. The, but if the squad for the Irish Test match was announced today, I think they'd go Burns, Vince, and Roy as your top three. I think there's a very very good chance yeah. of that. But just on just on just on balance, I agree with you. He has had chances, but I think in the specific examples of his recent, has he changed his technique? That's the big question. No, or is he, 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 he has not no. Well, then he won't get picked again because yeah. there's, they've said your technique as it stands isn't cutting out the cu- test cricket. So they have to go back and do something. If he's still doing the same thing, Mitchell Stark's going to ball half volleys and hit him on the foot. That's like, there he was literally getting out to half volleys. So, um, listen, I wouldn't be surprised. Jason Roy could easily play the Ashes. And, he, and he, he, he was brilliant as well, bringing it all the way back to where we started. He was brilliant, I thought, for an hour or so yeah. this morning. There is something very special about Jason Roy. He just sees it that split second quicker than other players, I think. Uh, he played a short-arm pull through straight mid-wicket today, a checked pull shot that was phenomenal. He nearly killed the umpire. Yeah. He, yeah, he, 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 he does one of the hardest flat well. straight drives we've seen in a long time. It's, it's brilliant. Um, so we're one day down. We are one day down. <laughs> only only another what, 712 to go. But, but what, what, a great, what a great day it was, though. Uh, Thoroughly enjoyable. And most importantly, England got off to, to were a you winning there? start. I didn't see you. I, I, were you, were I, were you there? Were you, were you working? Were you, I didn't see you there today. He's here, there, and everywhere. You're wow. a Dawson, you were Dawson today, I think. He haunts my nightmares. No, but generally, it, let's, England were. Let's give him a, give him a rating. They weren't. A, they probably could have got 350, 360, but you know, Moggy would probably say, lads, bum, 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 we won easy, happy days. So with the ball there, excellent field, where, where, where are you rating them? Give us a, a well, marker well, out of 10. Genuinely, I, I, think it's, I think it's a 7 out of 10 at best. I think it's a 6.5, 7 out of 10. Uh, I thought they were that's very why, good in the field. That's why it's so scary. I thought they were very good in the field. I thought they were eight and a half, nine in the field uh, and with the ball as well. I don't think anybody bowled badly. We haven't even mentioned the spinners. They got a little bit of tap, but they also are effective. They always are. They bowl well in tandem. With the bat, again, it's a five and a half or six, really, which is terrifying for the rest because they've demolished a good side there. They've, they've moved past 300 with the bare minimum of runs for that batting lineup. South Africa? Where are we, where are we put Well, they, they are where I thought they would be. Um, I don't have them in the semifinals. You know, I have them in the top six, but I don't really have them in the semifinals. I don't think they've got the... the the, the strength in depth, really. Firepower is a bit of an issue. Yeah. And probably one bowler short, you yeah. would think. Both well, unless, unless Morris can come to the party and because he can he can bowl good pace, can take wicks, and he can give a he can give a nudge at the end. So maybe if he finds a bit of a bit of form, but he wasn't in the original squad, Chris Morris. So it's hard to just bring him into the team now. I enjoyed watching Decock. I've got I might or might not have a couple of quid on Decock for top runs in the in no, the, Joe Root for me. Joe Root top run scoring tournament. I might also me. have a bit on that as well. <laughs> How many have you got? Oh, we're we going to do this. Okay, thirty-three to one. Root and England to 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 win the tournament. I've got I've got a penny or two on that. Right, Noel. Thank you so much for coming on today's show. I know you're a busy man. Really appreciate it. That's yeah, been good crack. Thanks for having me, Phil. Thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, well, you know, here every week for you. Yes. Absolutely. Every, every day, pretty much. Uh, a final thank you to our partners, Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. Check out their website and book yourself a long-haul holiday. Um, that is us from the Beer 91 Cricket World Cup Lounge here at the Royal Garden Hotel in Kensington. They're showing most of the Cricket World Cup games here live over the next few weeks. So get yourself down, drink it all in. And also, we'll be recording our Thursday podcast here every week. So... 
come along, enjoy, have some fun. Um, we'll be back with. I don't get you back tomorrow, won't you, Phil? Me, me and Joe back on tomorrow evening. Absolutely. Yeah. An episode every single day. In fact, <laughs> more than every single day because there's eight a week. You want another podcast? We'll do another podcast. Eight a week. Um, as ever, if you've enjoyed the podcast, tell your friends, shout from the rooftops, and we'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye. Cheers, folks. Podcast Network.